Welcome to the podcast of Grace and Peace Church. These are the teachings from our Sunday gatherings. We are supported by listeners like you who find value in the mission of discipleship. If you'd like to give financially, check out our website, our Instagram, or our Facebook for the giving tab. And thank you for partnering with us and keeping the mission alive. Grace and peace to you. As you guys know, many of you know, we go through the lectionary. And so we preach through the passages that are in there um, that... As they come up throughout, oh, I was going to steal a chair over here. Okay. Um, and as we kind of follow that, you'll start to see that there's a lot of other churches that do it as well. Um, and you'll see that there's passages that are designated for each Sunday. And what we do is we pick select passages from there and we preach from it. Um, and it's always a theme. And you'll see when you, if you go to the link, it's in the bulletin. Um, you'll see that there will be an Old Testament, New Testament, uh, Psalm, Proverbs, usually one of the letters, and, um, and those passages all tie together. And it's pretty cool when you start to read them and start to look at how Scripture as a whole unites, and it doesn't, it's not all just like separate thoughts, but there's like threads that go throughout Scripture. And um, this week is actually Transfiguration Sunday. Um, in the biblical calendar. And so we're going to look at the transfiguration and we're going to look at it from um, Luke's perspective. And so if you want to turn to chapter 9 in Luke, um, I'm going to read that in a second. But what happens here is a cool thing that I'm going to kind of set up. Prior to this, Jesus sits in prayer with his disciples. And so they're secluded, they're away from everything. And he sits with them and he asks them this question. Who do people say I am? Like, and you can kind of answer that question for yourself as well. And um, I love that last song of Hosanna, just describing who Jesus is, right? Um, what he does, what Jesus does when he sits with his disciples in prayer, secluded away from the crowds, is has conversations about what does it mean to really follow him and who Jesus really is, right? Because to the disciples, it had to have been a little confusing to hear the teachings and to hear the things that he was doing that was very countercultural and counter the church at that time. And so he asked them, he goes, who do you say I am? And some of them respond, oh, Moses. Some of them say, you're Elijah reincarnated here, physically here again. And so they're kind of confused. And then Peter has this like really brilliant eyes. Like, you're the Messiah. He's like, I got the Sunday school answer. He's like, I'm so proud of myself. Like, this is it, you know? And then Jesus goes on to explain more and then has this encounter, the transfiguration that we're about to read. And so I set that up because Peter has some interesting things to say that you'll see as we dig into this that tie into that. He seems very confident that he knows what he's talking about. I want to show you a clip. It's not going to have audio. And that's me also telling you, don't turn the audio on because of the stuff the guy says. It's not church appropriate. Um, but I'm going to roll this and... I think this clip sets us up perfectly for what we're about to see here, okay? So if you're listening on the podcast, watching, you're probably not going to see it, or maybe you will. Um, but there's a guy fishing in his canoe in the middle of the lake. He's got his bass rod. He's catching, it looks like a pike. I don't know. Maybe some of you experienced fishermen know. But um, So as he catches a fish, pulls out the net, nets the fish but drops the pole because he's so focused on the fish 
and the pole's in the water, so it's sinking and gone because it's disconnected from the fish now. And so now he's like dropping F-bombs because he's lost his fishing pole, the thing that catches the fish. And then he notices the fish, so he nets the fish again. But then the fish breaks the net, and it just falls through, and the whole thing just ends horribly, right? Oh, many of us have been there, and many of you probably gave up fishing because of that. Oh, that moment of just defeat, like, and the distracted moment of like, oh, I'll just put my rod down and just drops it completely, just focused on the fish, and it's just falling apart, and... That's my life a lot of times, I feel like, when I feel like I things got, things, got things figured out. You know, the guy had to have felt like, dude, I hooked this thing, right? I got a net ready to go and prepared, and yet everything just falls apart. Even though he's doing everything right, kind of, um, it doesn't really come together. And I want to use this as a backdrop to look at Peter's life a little bit as we read the Transfiguration. Um, because I think Peter just sometimes just doesn't get it but I can relate that he thinks he gets it. He thinks he knows. He thinks he's prepared. But then he says some stuff that just doesn't make sense. And Jesus kind of points it out. So um, let's read it. Let's check it out. Luke chapter 9. Um, like I said, there's a conversation with the disciples before that. But then in verse 28, it goes, About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure when he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. He's super excited. He's like, this is insane. Like, we get to actually see you in all your glory. Um, the light is just shining, right? He's like, Master, it's good for us to be here. Um, let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And I love it says, he did not know what he was saying. He's like, let's just build a temple. Let's put up a church here. And like, there's just this is it. Like, we've arrived. Like, this is it. Let's just worship and be part of this and what's going on. And, and it goes on. It says, while he was speaking, a cloud appeared. And I love it. Just like kind of while he's still talking, it just kind of ignores him. Um, a cloud appeared and covered them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. That's a key line right there. It's like just an affirmation that happens listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. Everything disappears. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. Because if you told somebody, what would they think? What do you, if you told somebody that that, like this whole scenario, that's what I love about how honest scripture is. It was like, yeah, they didn't tell anybody about this. Because you'd look crazy. Like, this doesn't make sense. Like, you can't scientifically talk about this kind of stuff. Clouds coming in, face shining bright. Like, the whole thing just transfigured in front of him. He started, they have a vision of Elijah and Moses being right there with him. Peter, James, and John witness this. They see the whole thing, and they're like, 
Let's not talk about it. I'm going to hit on that a little, bit, a little bit. But what we see here is this encounter that Jesus, or that the disciples, these three disciples have with Jesus that completely transforms their understanding of who Jesus is. They'd probably seen some miracles and some crazy stuff, but at this point, they're like, this is, this is next level stuff, right? Like, this is God here, like, they're seeing the light, like Peter's going, you know, like we should just set up a temple here, like just pitch tents because this is, this is the spot to be in, like we just, let's be here forever. But that encounter was meant to be for more than just them to go, yeah, you know what, this is awesome, we got to see God, Jesus, full, the full revelation of who he is. And what I think happens here, which we'll, we'll unpack a little bit, um, is this revelation, this understanding of who Jesus really is for these disciples um, is to solidify their faith to go and then live that out, right? To solidify it, to go, you know what? This isn't just all, this isn't just a good teacher that's hanging out with you. This is like God in flesh and blood here with you. And he's revealing that power right there. And and there's just something about that that then we'll see connects further into Scripture because um, we'll read another passage from Peter. But before I get there, I want to talk about the significance of this moment was to, like, catalyze really their faith, right? If we had seen this, because I'm kind of skeptical of it. Like, when you read this, you go, what? But if we'd experienced this, and many of you have experienced things that you can't explain, right? And you don't explain it because you look crazy when you talk about it because you're like, I had this dream about this thing and then it happened and everything went the way that God kind of told me that it would and in my prayer life and it just suddenly like all these things happen. There's stuff that's happened in my life that I can't explain that I don't really like, I don't tell that to everybody. I'll tell it to believers because they kind of get that faith element, but I don't tell that to everybody. And what happens here is this solidifying in their faith. And I want to talk a little bit kind of the theology of what's going on and like the background a little bit for a second and then kind of get into more of the practical because I really, I feel like that's where we should live. But um, Moses and Elijah appearing here, they represent two sides of what Jesus fulfills, okay? Moses being the law, right? So Moses, Ten Commandments, does that sound familiar? Um, the Ten Commandments is something that Jesus lived out. And so people like, would ask Jesus, like, who, what's, who are you all about and what are you claiming? Are you the fulfillment of the law? And he's like, no, I'm fulfilling it, but I'm taking it to another level, right? So Jesus talked about law being something that is like, it's important, it's valuable, like the Ten Commandments. There's none of us that are going to argue with any of that, right? Murder, we're not okay with that. Lying, cheating, whatever, like... All of those things that you see in the Ten Commandments, Jesus lives them out, but then takes them to another level, a more heartfelt level. And so what we see here is Moses reflecting that, and then you have Elijah representing prophecy, prophets that spoke about what God desired for his people. Prophets were there to call people out and be like, your hearts have been turned to other things. If you read in the Old Testament, God's people were constantly turning to other things, other idols, wanting to be like the culture, essentially. I'm kind of boiling this down. And prophets would come in and be like, you guys, we got to get back to like loving God. 
focusing on God's heart for us and solely being dedicated to that. And then people were like, you're crazy, you're a prophet, you're talking crazy stuff. We don't want to do that. We want to do, live like the world lives. And so there's always this battle back and forth, like following God's heart, doing it our way. And so those two represent that. And then what they're doing is you hear the voice of God come in and say, this is like the fulfillment of all of that. Like we're going to take this to a whole nother level. And that whole other level, I'm going to boil that down as well, is Jesus saying, I'm going to sum it all up with love God and love your neighbor as yourself. This is Jesus in this moment, like what you hear Jesus saying over and over, he's like, yeah, all of that's great. Like those rules you have, they're good. But really what it all boils down to is love God and love others, right? Love God, love others. And so when this voice comes down saying, this is my son, right? And it happens another time when Jesus baptized, right? So this is like the second time you see this. So this is my son, and it says, listen to him. Listen to him, because he's fulfilling what you've already seen in Moses, what you've seen in Elijah. And so this transfiguration, this moment where he's just like fully revealed is demonstrating this is what's core right now. And you got to remember, everything that's written here is to continue on the mission of what God is doing, right? And so these three disciples are there, Peter, James, and John. They get to see this firsthand. They get this like fulfillment of everything that they'd learned about and studied about and seen and kind of heard rumors about and heard the, like, the church culture at that time talk about. And now it's all here, right in front of them. Imagine how much that would solidify their faith. Like, wow, this, we just got to see, like, legends of our faith right here. Moses and Elijah. And now this is Jesus, like, fulfilling all of that. And he walks with us. He prays with us. He, like, has meals with us. This is, it must have been mind-blowing. Um, and so that's kind of the background of like why this is happening and where it's going um, is I just, it just, it takes us to this place where we start to see Peter's life be really impacted by this experience. And so what we see here is Peter has this very real encounter with Jesus and he's fumbling his words. He's like, we should just build a tent. Let's build three tents. You know, like, let's just, let's, on this mountaintop, let's just put down roots, build a foundation, and we'll just worship you here forever. But it says, like, he didn't know what he was talking about. Because it goes on, and we see Peter's life. We have the beauty of 2020 vision of, like, seeing further down the line, like, the big picture. So Second Peter, we see this. 2 Peter 1, 16 to 18, it says, For we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes when we received honor and glory from the God the Father. So this is Peter reminiscing on this experience that we just read about. Here's what he says. The voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, This is my dearly loved son, who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven and when we were with him on the holy mountain. So he's like, 
you got to know Peter's life has been now just like sharing the gospel, right? That's what he's been dedicated to. He's like given his life completely to and goes all the way to the grave, like dies because of his faith. He gets martyred. Um, He does all of that as a result of this encounter. And he even references back to this encounter, because remember it says they didn't talk about it. But now they talk about it because it's after the resurrection, because people have started to talk about it and go, you know what, there's this thing we can't explain, this resurrection, Jesus, this whole thing that he did that is mind-blowing, and now he's referencing back and going, it was real. Like, check out how awesome this is. Like, we got to have this encounter, and this is evidence of it. We sat there with him on the mountaintop. And it resulted in us going out and being completely transformed. So this encounter got them moving in this direction where they're just completely blown away, but filled with faith. Like their, their cup is overflowing, right? They're just like, they're frothing on what's happening. So this encounter has completely transformed them. And I want to point out that that encounter happened during prayer, Right? Not only the first conversation with Jesus, like, who do you say I am? They're out praying together in, like, a remote place, it says. And then they're on a mountaintop praying together, and this happens. And so just a little, like, I guess it's like a pastoral kind of, like, a comment on it. Like, we should be praying, right? Like, when we pray, these kind of things happen. I'm not going to say, like, transfiguration is going to happen to you when you pray. But I'm going to say there might be some crazy stuff that happens when we pray, right? Like, when we put aside time to go, I'm just going to focus on God. I need to, like... There's been a lot going on. I need to sit down. I just need to focus on God. I need to spend some time away from my phone. I leave it over there. I need to spend some time just communing with God, hearing what he has to say about my scenario, right? And I think, I don't want to say like stuff like this is always going to happen, but we're going to have encounters with God. We're going to have conversations. Meaningful stuff's going to come from that. So that's kind of the, I don't know, I feel like the pastoral thing I should say, right? Because I feel like so many times I don't, and I just turn to like, well, let's just problem solve it, you know, rather than let's stop, let's pray, let's see what God says about this. Maybe he'll just change my heart in that, I don't know. Maybe I'll I'll learn something new about this scenario that God will reveal, something supernatural that most people can't explain, but we should do that. Um, So prayer, I think, is a key thing. And then after I read this, it kind of led me to kind of two questions that I think when we look at the big picture of Jesus asking, who do you say I am? They have the transfiguration, and then this. Have you encountered Jesus in this kind of way? You don't have to say it out loud, but I just want you to think about it. Like, have you encountered Jesus in this kind of way? Maybe you've gotten away to pray sometime, like we were just talking about, and you've had that moment of, yeah, like, God... God's revealed something to me. He's given me a sense of, like for me, a lot of times, it's a sense of peace and joy that I, I can't get from coffee, that I can't get from the scenario working out in my life sometimes, um, that I can't get from, from anything else other than just sitting and praying and then going, oh, you know what, now I'm recentered and, and I recognize that God's in control and he's probably got a bigger plan than I see right now and that's Okay. Um, the, the thing that I'm facing is really troubling, but I, it feels good to put it in his hands. And the more I do that, the more peace and joy and contentment I start to experience, and then my heart rate drops and, and things mellow out, right? Um, 
Have you encountered Jesus? So maybe in the whatever the time that you've been a believer, if, if this is totally new to you, then I would say like start to maybe practice these things and see what God does to reveal himself and have one of those encounters. But when have you had one of those encounters in your life? If you need to write it down, it'd be cool if you'd put it in the digital connect card and sent it to me, that'd be rad. Um, but uh, what, was it, what was that encounter like for you? What did it do to change your faith? Um, how did you begin to see God after in, that encounter with God? With that encounter, did it shift your life? Did it shift your faith? Did it shift your trust in who Jesus is? Um, there's something that happens in those encounters. And I believe that the Holy Spirit constantly wants to encounter us. It's always, we're just like too busy running and not encountering, right? Um, so what, what, what's that encounter look like? And then maybe chase after some of that space to have those encounters. And the second part, has our encounter with Christ impacted the way that we live? Because if you've had one of those crazy encounters, it changes you. you. It just changes your perspective on life, right? It's like when you lose a loved one or when you experience really dramatic experiences in life, sometimes it just, it, it changes your perspective to realize what's important. And I think that's what happens when we have these encounters with God. We go, you know what? Yeah, you know, and he's, God's in control. I don't, I don't need to get so worked up. Like, sure, I can be concerned, but I don't need to get so worked up about every scenario I have going on. And I think that those encounters then impact the way that we live because then when people talk to you, they sense you've been with God, right? Like the way that the people, the Israelites encountered Moses after he came down off the mountain, they're like, like your face is kind of shining. What's going on? Why are you all giggly, you know? It's like, well, I was with God. That's awesome, you know? Like, I think there's something that happens, and there's something supernatural that, that impacts the way we live, because then when we encounter some challenge that comes up, we're like, oh, you know what? Like, I, yeah, let's work through this. I have faith that God's going to do something in this, and maybe he'll use my money somehow to do something, or maybe he'll use my voice or my my creativity, um, my job, whatever. Maybe we'll use some kind of my, my home, my resources in some way to, to resolve this or to do something to change the situation. Those impacts, those encounters, like Peter had, changed him. He went from fumbling, like dropping the pole, like messing up the net whole thing, you know, like to, yeah, God's in control and let's go share that with people. And then like planted churches, and, and lives were transformed because of it. How rad is that? Like, it's so beautiful. Completely transformed. Like, we're still talking about it 2,000 years later. Um, it's crazy. It, it's wild. Um, so many thoughts come to mind. But um, taking that to another level, it's like, are we a church that is Christ-centered because of our encounters with God, right? Does, does our worship as we come together and our study transform us. There's that encounter with God's word and not just words, song lyrics on a screen, right? Those are encounters with God. Are we transformed as we leave this place on a Sunday? Um, that's what I, as a pastor, like pray for and long for that 
that worship is meaningful, that our time is meaningful. Uh, because I think those encounters, like Sunday to Sunday can get a, become a routine, but I don't want it to be a routine. I want it to be an encounter that's, that leads us into the next day of, or the next week of, of ministry and serving and, and just living out of that flow of what God's doing. And so that's why the transfiguration is so important. That's why it's so exciting to like read it and dig into it and, and celebrate it today. Um, and so how do we begin to do something with it? Um, the analogy I want to take as we kind of spend the last couple minutes here just talking about how do we make this very practical and, um, and begin to like own into this, this transformation encounter that we all can have with Jesus um, is to use this backdrop of being a mechanic, okay? Is anybody a mechanic in here? Or are you mechanical at all? Raise your hand. Like, yeah, we got some mechanics-ish, okay? So um, for the record, everybody raise their hand on the podcast. Everybody's a mechanic. Uh, there's like two. Um, so I, I think kind of mechanically. I like fixing things. I'm into like taking something and restoring it, like if it's been kind of damaged, broken, whatever, and bring it back to life. And uh, this is kind of a long story about being a mechanic and my experience of being a mechanic. But I want to share this because it's, it's interesting to me of like how this works. But um, and I think it's a great backdrop for discipleship. Um, this boat is, is not my boat. I don't own it. Um, but a friend of mine down the street that I've known for almost 10 years now lets me use his boat if I store it in my front yard. So storage in exchange for usage. I was like, that's a pretty good deal. And I could use it whenever I want. And part of it is I help him with the maintenance on the motor. About two months ago, the motor just completely went out, and we had to get a new one. So we found a used motor for three grand on Craigslist. It was too good to be true, I think. <laughs> so uh, the guy was like, it runs. It doesn't run. Um, so we got it. the guy put it on the boat for my buddy Gavin, and now I've been chipping away at trying to get it running. Okay, my dad came over and helped me the other day. Um, and, and so we're troubleshooting it and trying to figure it out. And it's at the stage where it has enough computer technology to where you can hook it up to a computer, and it'll run diagnostics and tell you everything. And so we finally figured out, like, hey, if we get the diagnostic software, it'll tell us how to fix it. And I was skeptical. I'm like, no way, dude. Like, it's going to tell you all kinds of error codes, and we're going to have to troubleshoot all kinds of stuff. But sure enough, so my buddy Dave, who, like, does computer stuff, for lack of a better word for me, um, he, he was like, well, let me look at it. Let me see what I can do. So I gave him the software that was on this little thumb drive that we got on Amazon for 60 bucks and a cable that connects to it. And I tried and tried. I tried even, like, getting the right cables to get my computer to do it. wouldn't do it. He's like, let me do it. Hooks it up, and he's like, it's this thing. Like, there's one red dot, one error code. He says it's this CPC, CPS thing. And I'm like, the CPS with the TPT? Well, I don't know. What are you talking about? You know? And he's like, it's this sensor. You just got to replace this sensor. And I'm like, seriously? He's like, yeah. He's like, I've never done this either. And so he's, like, trying to figure it out himself because he's normally not doing boat stuff. But he's like, that was cool to see the software connect to the motor. And now I can see what's wrong with it. And all we got to do is order this part. And I'm like, yeah. And I pulled it off. I was like, I can pull that part off. And I pulled it off. And he's like, yeah, we put the, the voltmeter on it. Yeah, sure enough. He's like, Googled it. Yeah, it's pulling too many volts. It's not, it's broken. And I'm like, wow, diagnostics, like computers making our life way easier. 
And so it's on order. We'll find out tomorrow if it works or, yeah, Monday. So we'll see if it actually worked. But we're slowly just chipping away. Like, I have no clue what I'm doing other than, like, just keep trying. Keep diagnosing it and figuring it out. And hopefully by the end of next week, we'll have a running engine and we can go get fish, right? Um, But the whole moral of this is, like, be a mechanic. Like, I know we're not all mechanics. But when it comes to our faith, I think we need to be mechanics about our life. And I think that's kind of one of the things that sometimes is missing within the church and discipleship and growing in Jesus is constantly like diagnosing and going, okay, so I don't know how this works and I'm not equipped for this at all, but how do I get better at it, right? Like, sure, I could go give this motor and spend thousands of dollars that I don't have to somebody, um, or I could just start diagnosing it. And now for like 60 bucks, we've kind of figured out the problem. And we start to, like, move forward in that progress of, like, dude, if anything broke again, I'd be like, hook it up. Dave, come on over. Put the computer on it. Let's figure it out. And put our heads together, and we start to figure it out. And I think being a mechanic about our faith and our discipleship is pretty key because what you see Peter do here and what you see Jesus doing is Jesus teaching him to be a mechanic about his life. Like, start learning how to diagnose what's going on and not just say, let's pitch tents and, like, let's worship and take a moment. Assess, diagnose, see what's going on, and what do we need to do and move forward in this? And obviously, Peter, it took time for him to learn all this. Like, it didn't just happen overnight. Like, he didn't write Second Peter that I referenced earlier. Was it Second Peter? Yeah, Second Peter. He didn't reference this story immediately. It took a while for him to go, yeah, you know what? That was all real. Now that I've seen Jesus resurrected and the whole thing and, like, lives transformed and how this whole thing plays out when you love people, I've seen how it works now, and like now he's like, okay, yeah. Like we diagnosed it and it worked, and now we move forward and we start to like get this thing working and get this thing moving and, and get to where like it's functional. And so what I did was um, as part of diagnosing and really figuring out how do we begin to live this out and how do we begin to like make this very practical, uh, I put a link in the digital bulletin to this thing called APEST test. Okay. It basically helps you understand how you serve and how you use your life to serve the kingdom in beautiful ways. And it's like a 10 to 15 minute kind of like, you know, assessment. You go through it, answer some questions. You begin to discover where your gift set is, like where you begin to serve and how you're created to serve. And so APES stands for apostolic. So like Apostles were those that were kind of like in leadership position. They had vision and understanding of how to lead people and, um, and move the ministry forward. Um, there's prophetic. There's people that were like calling people out, right? That were like, we shouldn't be doing that. We should be going this direction, right? These are generally people that are about social justice, that are moving forward, looking to things that need to shift within the church. Um, and then you have evangelists, people that just naturally, you know them, like, they talk to people and somehow people come to Jesus and you're like, how did that happen, right? Like they talk to people and suddenly people are asking deeper questions about their faith. I'm sure we all have an element of that, but some people are just really talented at that and really like helping people understand the gospel. Um, shepherds, those that just love on people and care for the, the flock. And then there's uh, teachers that will bring God's word, that will unpack it in ways that just makes sense and makes it click and go, okay. You took a complex passage and made it interesting and made it something that I can understand and take home and move along with. And so um, I threw that test in there as like just an assignment to do during the week to say, 
who, who am I? Diagnose your life a little bit and go, what kind of ministry is God calling me to, to begin to serve and begin to give and, and, and use these talents and resources in ways that, that point people to Jesus so they can have this encounter, this transformation, right? And that's the whole core of this. Peter was not transformed to build a temple at the top of a mountain. Jesus is like, no, go. You don't know what you're talking about. Go, get off the mountain, and we're going to go tell others about this. Like the whole point of this transformation and this encounter and this crazy experience is to go and use it for ministry. So all that to say, I hope that your encounter, our encounters that we have, move us to ministry, right? The encounter is just for you, and I'm going to close with this little thought. I was listening to, and I would encourage you to listen. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so I have to share this before I close. Um, so I was listening to Joe Rogan, and he interviews this guy. It's, I think, podcast 2008, if you want to write this down. I don't think I linked it. Um, but it's with this guy who is, has a Ph.D. in philosophy and science um, from the University of Cambridge, so he's got to be brilliant, right? But Stephen Mayer, you can write that down. Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N. Um, he has this beautiful, like, hour and a half long conversation with Joe Rogan about how science and faith go together and begins to unpack crazy stuff that I'm not even going to try and, like, communicate to you right now because it sounds sound foolish. But the stuff that he digs into, into, um, like, bio-origins, getting into cells and all kinds of stuff that like he starts to unpack stuff that blew my mind. But here's the nuance thing that happens. Joe Rogan starts to ask him, he's like, well, how did you get convinced? And he's like, well, that doesn't really matter as much. And he's like, why not? And he's like, because I've had encounters with God that I can't explain. And he's like, but I'm not going to talk about that. Like, your listeners aren't going to be interested in that because that sounds like hocus pocus. And he's like, and Rogan just keeps pressing into him. And he's like, well, like, why not? And he's just like, because I'd rather you talk about these things in science, these observable things, the history. He gets into crazy history of like scripture and stuff where you're like, mind blown, right? And he, but he's like steers away from like the, the spiritual encounters that he's had because he's like, you're not going to relate to that. And the reason I share that is because the encounters that, you've had maybe, are for you. They're not to convince other people that God exists because they probably won't believe it. They'll think you're a quack. But you've experienced it, right? And you've had it to where you go, you know what? I can't explain this. I've had this encounter with God, but it's fired me up to do ministry. And that's the thought that I want to close on is that other people may not understand it, but keep it for yourself. Know for yourself in your heart that it's deepened your relationship with God, that it's beautiful, that it's like done something to really impact your relationship with God and let that move you into ministry. Peter's encounter with God left him stuttering and just saying crazy stuff and he didn't know how to explain it. And, he, and at the end it says, they didn't talk about it because they knew that people would think they're crazy. And that's okay. That's all right. There's plenty of other science and history, and other things to help convince other people of whether or not God exists. But the final thing I just want to say is, like, leave that f for, 
fuel in your tank to go and do ministry. Don't use that as an argument as to why God exists because people just think you're crazy. Um, But let it motivate you into your relationship with God to serving, to loving others so that they might have an encounter that they go, I don't want to explain this, but these people keep loving on me and sharing their faith with me. And I don't understand like why this scenario happened that connected with this scenario. I couldn't have orchestrated that, but some reason it did. And now their faith is being built up, right? And so, and that's as a result of faithful followers serving and and just longing for God to move in powerful ways. So let me close in prayer. Um, But be encouraged, be inspired by those encounters and let's let's move that into action into ways that we can use. So um, are we closing this on? Yeah? Okay, let me pray as you guys come up. And um, yeah, I just, yeah, I want want this to be, uh, as we close out, just a a real sense of what God is doing in our lives to then push us to serve and love and transform the world that we live in. So Lord, we ask for your Holy Spirit to do a work that only you can to do things in our lives that we can't explain, to continue to reveal yourself as we get away in prayer and as we designate our lives wholly to you. Um, May you just reveal just a beautiful encounter that that drives us to serve you and and love others and and really, uh, yeah, just use our our lives, our resources, all of who we are to, to bring glory to you, Jesus. And we pray this in your name.